Chapter 10 of A Short Account of the History of Mathematics. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This is a reading by Paul King, pjk.scripts.mit.edu forward slash pkj. A Short Account of the History of Mathematics by W. W. Rouse Ball. Chapter 10. The Introduction of Arabian Works into Europe, circa 1150 to 1450. In the last chapter, but one, I discuss the development of European mathematics to a date which corresponds roughly with the end of the Dark Ages, and in the last chapter I trace the history of the mathematics of the Hindus and the Arabs to the same date. The mathematics of the two or three centuries that follow and are treated in this chapter are characterized by the introduction of the Arabian mathematical textbooks and of Greek books derived from Arabian sources, and the assimilation of the new ideas thus presented. It was, however, from Spain and not from Arabia that Arabian mathematics came into Western Europe. The Moors had established their rule in Spain in 1747, and by the 10th or 11th century had attained a high degree of civilization. Though their political relations with the caliphs at Baghdad were somewhat unfriendly, they gave a ready welcome to the works of the great Arabian mathematicians. In this way, the Arab translations of Euclid, Archimedes, Apollonius, Ptolemy, and perhaps of other Greek writers, together with the works of the Arabian algebraists, were read and commented on at the three great Moorish universities or schools of Grenada, Cordova, and Seville. It seems probable that these works indicate the full extent of Moorish learning, but as all knowledge was jealously guarded from Christians, it is impossible to speak with certainty either on this point or on that of the time when Arab books were first introduced into Spain. The Eleventh Century The earliest Moorish writer of distinction of whom I find mention is Geber ibn Afla, who was born at Seville and died toward the latter part of the eleventh century at Cordova. His works, which deal chiefly with astronomy and trigonometry, were translated into Latin by Gerard and published at Nuremberg in 1533. He seems to have discovered the theorem that the sines of the angles of a spherical triangle are proportional to the sines of the opposite sides. Another Arab of about the same date was Arzakel, who was living at Toledo in 1080. He suggested that the planets moved in ellipses, but his contemporaries with scientific intolerance declined to argue about a statement which was contrary to that made by Ptolemy in the Almagest. The Twelfth Century During the course of the twelfth century, copies of the books used in Spain were obtained in Western Christendom. The first step towards procuring a knowledge of Arab and Moorish science was taken by an English monk, Abelhard of Bath, who, under the disguise of a Mohammedan student, attended some lectures at Cordova about 1120, and obtained a copy of Euclid's Elements. 
this copy translated into latin was the foundation of all the editions known in europe till fifteen thirty three when the greek text was recovered how rapidly a knowledge of the works spread we may judge when we recollect that before the end of the thirteenth century roger bacon was familiar with it while before the close of the fourteenth century the first five books formed part of the regular curriculum of some if not all universities the annunciations of euclid seem to have been known before abelhard's time and possibly as early as the year one thousand though copies were rare abelhard also procured a manuscript of or contemporary on alcharismi's work which he likewise translated into latin he issued a textbook also on the use of the abacus during the same century other translations of the arab textbooks or commentaries on them were obtained amongst those who were most influential in introducing moorish learning into europe i may mention abraham ben ezra ben ezra was born at toledo in ten ninety seven died at rome in eleven sixty seven he was one of the most distinguished jewish rabbis who had settled in spain where it must be recollected they were tolerated and even protected by the moors on account of their medical skill besides some astronomical tables and an astrology ben ezra wrote an arithmetic a short analysis of which was published by o tequem in liouville's journal for eighteen forty one in this he explains the arab system of numeration with nine symbols and a zero gives the fundamental processes of arithmetic and explains the rule of three another european who was induced by the reputation of the arab schools to go to toledo was gerard who was born at crenoma in eleven fourteen and died in eleven eighty seven he translated the arab edition of the almagest the works of the alhazen and the works of the alpharabias whose name is otherwise unknown to us in this translation of ptolemy's work which was made in eleven thirty six the arabic numerals are introduced gerard also wrote a short treatise on algorism which exists in manuscript in the bodilian library at oxford he was acquainted with one of the arab editions of euclid's elements which he translated into latin among the contemporaries of gerard was john hispalensis of seville who was originally a rabbi but was converted to christianity and baptized under the name given above he made translations of several arab and moorish works and also wrote an algorism which contains the earliest examples of the extraction of the square roots of numbers by the aid of the decimal notation the thirteenth century during the thirteenth century there was a revival of learning throughout europe but the new learning was i believe confined to a very limited class the early years of this century are memorable for the development of several universities and for the appearance of three remarkable mathematicians leonardo of pisa jordanus and roger bacon the franciscan monk of oxford leonardo leonardo fibonacci filius bonacci generally known as leonardo of pisa was born at pisa in eleven seventy five 
His father, Bonacci, was a merchant and was sent by his fellow townsmen to control the custom house at Bugia in Barbary. There Leonardo was educated and he thus became acquainted with the Arabic system of numeration and also with al Khwarizmi's work on algebra, which was described in the last chapter. It would seem that Leonardo was entrusted with some duties in connection with the custom house which required him to travel. He returned to Italy about 1200 and in 1202 published a work called Algebra e Amucabala, the title being taken from al work, but generally known as the Liber Abaci. He there explains the Arabic system of numeration and remarks on its great advantages over the Roman system. He then gives an account of algebra and points out the convenience of using geometry to get rigid demonstrations of algebraical formulae. He shews how to solve simple equations, solves a few quadratic equations, and states some methods for the solution of indeterminate equations. These rules are illustrated by problems on numbers. All the algebra is rhetorical. This work had a wide circulation, and for the last two centuries remained a standard authority. The Liber Abaci is especially interesting in the history of arithmetic, since it practically introduced the use of the Arabic numerals into Christian Europe. The language of Leonardo implies that they were previously unknown to his countrymen, and he says that having to spend some years in Barbary, he there learned the Arabic system which he found much more convenient than that used in Europe. He therefore published it in order that the Latin race might no longer be deficient in that knowledge. Now, Leonardo had read very widely and traveled Greece, Sicily, and Italy, and there is therefore every presumption that the system was not then commonly employed in Europe. Though Leonardo introduced its use into commercial affairs, it is probable that a knowledge of it as a method which was current in the East was previously not uncommon among travellers and merchants, for the intercourse between Christians and Mohammedans was sufficiently close for each to learn something of the language and common practices of the other. We can also hardly suppose that the Italian merchants were ignorant of the method of keeping accounts used by some of their best customers, and we must recollect, too, that there were numerous Christians who had escaped or been ransomed after serving the Mohammedans as slaves. It was, however, Leonardo that brought the system into general use, and by the middle of the 13th century a large proportion of the Italian merchants employed it by the side of the old system. The majority of the mathematicians must have already known the system from the works of Ben Ezra, Gerard, and John Hispalensis. But shortly after the appearance of Leonardo's book Alfonso of Castile in 1252, published some astronomical tables founded on observations made in Arabia, which were computed by Arabs and which were expressed in Arabic notation, Alfonso's tables had a wide circulation among men of science and were largely instrumental in bringing these numerals into universal use among mathematicians. By the end of the 13th century, it was generally assumed that all scientific men would be acquainted with the system. Thus, Roger Bacon, writing in that century, recommends the algorithm 
that is the arithmetic founded on arab notation as a necessary study for theologians who ought he says to abound in the power of numbering we may then consider that by the year 1300 or at least 1350 these numerals were familiar both to mathematicians and to italian merchants so great was leonardo's reputation that the emperor frederick the second stopped at pisa in 1225 in order to hold a sort of mathematical tournament to test leonardo's skill of which he had heard such marvellous accounts the competitors were informed beforehand of the questions to be asked some or all of which were composed by john of palermo who was one of frederick's suite this is the first time that we meet with an instance of those challenges to solve particular problems which were so common in the sixteenth and seventeenth centuries the first question propounded was to find a number which was the square when either increased or decreased by five would remain a square leonardo gave an answer which is correct namely forty one over twelve the next question which was to find by the methods used in the tenth book of euclid a line whose length x should satisfy the equation x cubed plus two x squared plus ten x equals twenty leonardo shewed by geometry that the problem was impossible but he gave an approximate value of the root of the equation namely approximately one point three six eight eight o eight one o seven five and is correct to nine places of decimals another question was as follows three men a b and c possess a sum of money u and their slaves being in the ratio three to two to one a takes away x keeps half of it and deposits the remainder with d b takes away y keeps two-thirds of it deposits the remainder with d c takes away all that is left namely z keeps five-sixths of it and deposits the remainder with d the deposit with d is found to belong to a b and c in equal proportions find u x y and z leonardo shewed that the problem was indeterminate and gave as one solution u equals forty seven x equals thirty three y equals thirteen and z equals one the other competitors failed to solve any of these questions the chief work of leonardo is the liber abaci alluded to above this work contains a proof of the well-known result quantity a squared plus b squared times quantity c squared plus d squared equals quantity a c plus b d all squared plus b c minus a d quantity squared equals a d plus b c quantity squared plus b d minus a c quantity squared he also wrote a geometry termed practica geometria which was issued in 1220 this is a good compilation and some trigonometry is introduced among other propositions and examples he finds the area of a triangle in terms of its sides subsequently he published a liber quadratorum dealing with the problem similar to the first of the questions propounded at the tournament 
he also issued a tract dealing with determinate algebraical problems these are all solved by the rule of false assumption in the manner explained above on page one o four frederick the second the emperor frederick the second who was born in eleven ninety four succeeded to the throne in twelve ten and died in twelve fifty was not only interested in science but did as much as any other single man of the thirteenth century to disseminate a knowledge of the works of the arab mathematicians in western europe the universities of naples and padua remain as monuments of his munificence having founded the former in twelve twenty four and the latter in twelve thirty eight i have already mentioned that the presence of the jews had been tolerated in spain on account of their medical skill and scientific knowledge and as a matter of fact the titles of physician and algebraist were for a long time nearly synonymous thus the jewish physicians were admirably fitted both to get copies of the arab works and to translate them frederick the second made use of this fact to engage a staff of learned jews to translate the arab works which he obtained though there is no doubt that he gave his patronage to them the more readily because it was singularly offensive to the pope with whom he was engaged in a quarrel at any rate by the end of the thirteenth century the copies of euclid archimedes apollonius and ptolemy and some of the arab works on algebra were obtainable from this source and by the end of the next century were not uncommon from this time then we may say that the development of science in europe was independent of the aid of the arab arabian schools jordanus among leonardo's contemporaries was a german mathematician whose works were until the last few years almost unknown this was jordanus neomarius sometimes called jornatus de saxona or teutonicus of the details of his life we know but little save that he was elected general of the dominican order in twelve twenty two professor Kurtza, who has made a special study of the subject confers that the following works are due to jordanus geometria verdi trianguli and dissimilibus arcubi published by m kurtza in eighteen eighty seven in volume six of the releases of the copernicus society of turin published in german diisoperimetri in latin and arithmetic demonstrated also published in latin published by faber stapolensis at paris in fourteen ninety six second edition fifteen fourteen algorithmus demonstratus published by j schoner at nuremberg in fifteen thirty four and dumeris datis published by p trotline in eighteen seventy nine and edited in eighteen ninety one with comments by m kautza in volume thirty six of the journal of mathematics and physics published in german or the another publication of weights published in latin by p apian at nuremberg in fifteen thirty three and reissued in venice in fifteen sixty five and lastly two or three tracts on ptolemaic astronomy if we assume as professor kerza does that these works have not been added to or improved by subsequent annotators we must esteem jordanus as one of the most eminent mathematicians of the middle ages 
His knowledge of geometry is illustrated by his De Triangulis, De Similibus Arcubis, and De Isoperimetris. His most important book of these is the De Triangulis, which is divided into four books. The first book, besides a few definitions, contains thirteen propositions on triangles which are based on Euclid's elements. The second book contains nineteen propositions mainly on the ratios of straight lines and their application to compare the areas of triangles. For example, one problem is to find a point inside a triangle so that the lines joining it to the angular points may divide the triangle into three equal parts. The third book contains twelve propositions, mainly concerning arcs and chords of circles. The fourth book contains twenty-eight propositions, partly on the regular polygons and partly on miscellaneous questions such as the duplication and trisection problems. The Algorithmus Demonstratus contains practical use for the four fundamental processes, and Arabic numerals are generally but not always used. It is divided into ten books, dealing with properties of numbers, primes, perfect numbers, polygonal numbers, etc., ratios, powers, and the progressions. It would seem from it that Jordanus knew the general expression for the square of any algebraic multinomial. The De Numeri Statis consists of four books containing solutions to 115 problems. Some of these lead to simple or quadratic equations involving more than one unknown quantity. He shews a knowledge of proportions, but many of the demonstrations of his general propositions are only numerical illustrations of them. In several of the propositions of the Algorithmus de Numeris Datis, letters are employed to denote both known and unknown quantities, and they are used in the demonstrations of the rules of arithmetic as well as of algebra. As an example of this, I quote the following proposition from the De Numeris Datis, Book 1, Proposition 3, the object of which is to determine the two quantities whose sum and product are known. The translation says toward the end that if we subtract 84 minus x squared to get 16, we can solve for x to find that by taking away 16 from 84, we can solve for x squared, and then taking the square root of 64, we can then see that x is equal to 8. It will be noticed that Jordanus, like Diophantus and the Hindus, denotes addition by juxtaposition. Expressed in modern notation, his argument as follows. Let the numbers be a plus b, which I will denote by gamma, and c. Then gamma plus c is given, hence gamma plus c quantity squared is known, denote it by e. Again gamma times c is given, denote it by d. Hence 4 times gamma times c, which is equal to 4 times d, is known, denoted by f. Then gamma minus c quantity squared is equal to e minus f, which is known, denoted by g. Therefore, gamma minus c equals the square root of g, which is known, denoted by h. Hence, gamma plus c and gamma minus c are known, and therefore gamma and c can be at once found. It is curious that he should have taken a sum like a plus b for one of his unknowns. In his numerical illustration, he takes the sum to be 10 and the product to be 21.
the above works are the earliest instances known in european mathematics of syncopated algebra in which letters are used for algebraical symbols it is probable that the algorithmus was not generally known until it was printed in fifteen thirty four and it is doubtful how far the works of jordanus exercised any considerable influence on the development of algebra in fact it constantly happens in the history of mathematics that improvements in notation or discoveries are made long before they are generally adopted or their advantages realized thus the same thing may be discovered over and over again and it is not until the general standard of knowledge requires some such improvement or it is enforced by some someone whose zeal or attainments compel attention that it is adopted and becomes part of the science jordanus in using letters or symbols to represent any quantities which occur in analysis was far in advance of his contemporaries a similar notation was tentatively introduced by the other and later mathematicians but it was not until it had been thus independently discovered several times that it came into general use it is not necessary to describe in detail the mechanics optics or astronomy of jordanus the treatment of mechanics throughout the middle ages was generally unintelligent no mathematicians of the same ability as leonardo and jordanus appear in the history of the subject for over two hundred years their individual achievements must not be taken to imply the standard of knowledge of then current but their works were accessible to students in the following two centuries though there were not many who seemed to have derived much benefit therefrom or who attempted to extend the bounds of arithmetic and algebra as there expounded during the thirteenth century the most famous centres of learning in western europe were paris and oxford and i must now refer to the more eminent members of those schools hollywood i will begin by mentioning john de hollywood whose name is perhaps better known in the latinized form of sacrobosco hollywood was born in yorkshire and educated at oxford but after taking his master's degree he moved to paris and taught there until his death in twelve forty four or twelve forty six his lectures on algorism and algebra are the earliest of which i can find mention his work on arithmetic was for many years a standard authority it was printed at paris in fourteen ninety six and was reissued in halliwell's rara mathematica london eighteen forty one he also wrote a treatise on the sphere which was made public in twelve fifty six this had wide circulation and indicates how rapidly a knowledge of mathematics was spreading besides these two pamphlets by him entitled respectively de computo ecclesiastico and de astrolabio are still extant roger bacon another contemporary of leonardo and jordanus was roger bacon who for physical science did work somewhat analogous to what they did for arithmetic and algebra roger bacon was born near ilchester in twelve fourteen and died at oxford in june eleventh twelve ninety four he was the son of royalists most of whose property had been confiscated at the end of the civil wars 
At an early age he was entered as a student at Oxford and is said to have taken orders in 1233. In 1234 he removed to Paris, then the intellectual capital of Western Europe, where he lived for some years devoting himself especially to languages and physics, and there he spent on books and experiments all that remained of his family property and his savings. He returned to Oxford soon after 1240, and there for the following ten or twelve years he laboured incessantly, being chiefly occupied in teaching science. His lecture-room was crowded, but everything that he earned was spent in buying manuscripts and instruments. He tells thus that altogether at Paris and Oxford he spent over two thousand pounds in this way, a sum which represents at least twenty thousand pounds nowadays. Bacon strove hard to replace logic in the university curriculum by mathematical and linguistic studies, but the influences of the age were too strong for him. His glowing eulogy on the divine mathematics, which should form the foundation of a liberal education and which alone can purge the intellect and fit the student for the acquirement of all knowledge, fell on deaf ears we can judge how small was the amount of geometry which was implied in the quadrivium when he tells us that in geometry few students at oxford read beyond euclid one five though we might perhaps have inferred as much from the character of the work of bothius at last worn out neglected and ruined bacon was persuaded by his friend grosteste the great bishop of lincoln to renounce the world and take on the franciscan vows the society to which he now found himself confined was singularly uncongenial to him and he beguiled the time by writing on scientific questions and perhaps lecturing the superior of the order heard of this and in twelve fifty seven forbade him to lecture or publish anything under penalty of the most severe punishments and at the same time directed him to take up his residence at paris where he could be more closely watched clement the fourth when in england had heard of his abilities and in twelve sixty six when he became pope invited bacon to write the franciscan order reluctantly permitted him to do so but they refused him any assistance with great difficulty bacon obtained sufficient money to get paper and the loan of books and within the short space of fifteen months he produced in twelve sixty seven his opus magis with two supplements which summarized all that was then known in science and laid down the principles of which not only science but philosophy and literature should be studied he stated as the fundamental principle that the study of natural science must rest solely on experiment and in the fourth part he explained in detail how all sciences rest ultimately on mathematics and progress only when their fundamental principles are expressed in mathematical form mathematics he says should be regarded as the alphabet of all philosophy the results that he arrived at in this and his other works are nearly in accordance with modern ideas, but were too far in advance of that age to be capable of appreciation or perhaps even of comprehension, and it was left for later generations to rediscover his works and give him that credit of which he never experienced in his lifetime. 
in astronomy he laid down the principles for a reform of the calendar explained the phenomenon of shooting stars and stated that the ptolemaic system was unscientific in so far as it rested on the assumption that circular motion was the natural motion of a planet while the complexity of the explanations required make it improbable that the theory was true in optics he enunciated the laws of reflection and in a general way of refraction of light and used them to give a rough explanation of the rainbow and of magnifying glasses most of his experiments in chemistry were directed to the transmission of metals and led to no result he gave the composition of gunpowder but there is no doubt that it was not his own invention uh, though it is the earliest european mention of it on the other hand some of his results in these subjects appear to be guesses which are more or less ingenious while certain statements he makes are certainly erroneous in the years immediately following the publication of his opus magus he wrote numerous works which developed in detail the principles there laid down most of these have now been published but i do not know of the existence of any complete edition they deal only with the applied mathematics and physics clement took no notice of the great work for which he had asked except to obtain leave for bacon to return to england on the death of clement the general of the franciscan order was elected pope and took the title of nicholas the fourth bacon's investigations had never been approved of by his superiors and he was now ordered to return to paris where we are told he was immediately accused of magic he was condemned in twelve eighty to imprisonment for life and was released only about a year before his death campanus the only other mathematician of this century whom i need mention is giovanni campano or in the latinized form campanus a canon of paris a copy of Adelhard's translation of Euclid's Elements fell into the hands of Campanus, who issued it as his own. He added a commentary thereon, in which he discussed the properties of a regular reentrant pentagon. This edition was printed by Ratdolt in Venice in 1482. Besides some minor works, Campanus wrote Theory of the Planets, which was a free translation of the Almagest the fourteenth century the history of the fourteenth century like that of the one preceding it is mostly concerned with the introduction and assimilation of the arabian mathematical textbooks and the greek books derived from arabian sources bradwardine a mathematician of this time who is perhaps sufficiently influential to justify a mention here is thomas bradwardine an archbishop of canterbury Bradwardine was born at Chester at about 1290. He was educated at Merton College, Oxford, and subsequently lectured in that university. From 1335 to the time of his death, he was chiefly occupied with the politics of the church and state. He took a prominent part in the invasion of France, the capture of Calais, and the victory over Crecy. He died at Lambeth in 1349. His mathematical works, which were probably written when he was at Oxford, are 1. 
Treaty of the Proportions in Latin, printed at Paris in 1495, Speculative Arithmetic, also in Latin, printed at Paris in 1502, Speculative Geometry, printed in Latin at Paris in 1511, and The Quadrature of the Circle, also in Latin, printed at Paris in 1495. They probably give a fair idea of the nature of the mathematics then read at an English university. Oresmus. Nicholas Oresmus was another writer of the 14th century who is said in most histories of mathematics to have influenced the development of the subject. He was born at Cannes in 1323, became the confidential advisor of Charles V, by whom he was made tutor to Charles VI, and subsequently was appointed the Bishop of Lisieux, at which city he died in July 11, 1382. He wrote the Algorismus Proportionum, in which the idea of fractional indices is introduced and in the eyes of his contemporaries was prominent as a mathematician not less than as an economist and theologian but i do not propose to discuss his writings the treatise on which his reputation chiefly rests deals with the question of coinage and commercial exchange from the mathematical point of view it is noticeable only for the use of vulgar fractions and the introduction of symbols for them by the middle of this century Euclidean geometry, as expounded by Campanus, and algorism were from fairly familiar to all professed mathematicians, and the Ptolemaic astronomy was also generally known. About this time, the almanacs began to add to the explanation of the Arabic symbols of the rules for addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division, de algorismo. The more important calendars and other treatises also inserted a statement of the rules of proportion illustrated by various practical questions in the latter half of this century there was a general revolt of the universities against the intellectual tyranny of the schoolmen this was largely due to petrarch who to his own generation was celebrated as a humanist rather than as a poet and who exerted all his power to destroy scholasticism and encourage scholarship the result of these influences on the study of mathematics may be seen in the changes then introduced in the study of the quadrivium. The stimulus came from the University of Paris, where a statute to that effect was passed in 1366, and a year or two later similar regulations were made at Oxford and Cambridge. Unfortunately, no textbooks are mentioned. We can, however, form a reasonable estimate of the range of mathematical reading required by looking at the statutes of the universities of Prague, founded in 1348, of Vienna, founded in 1365, and of Leipzig, founded in 1389. By the statutes of Prague, dated 1384, candidates for the bachelor's degree were required to have read Hollywood's treatise on the sphere and candidates for the master's degree to be acquainted with the first six books of Euclid, optics, hydrostatics, the theory of the lever, and astronomy. Lectures were actually delivered on arithmetic, on the art of reckoning with the fingers, and the algorithm of integers, on almanacs, which probably meant elementary astro astrology, and on the almagest, that is, on Ptolemaic astronomy. 
There is, however, some reason for thinking that mathematics received far more attention here than was then usual at other universities. At Vienna in 1389, the candidate for a master's degree was required to have read five books of Euclid, Common Perspective, Proportional Parts, The Measurement of Superficies, and The Theory of the Planets. The last book named is the treatise by Campenus, which was founded on that by Ptolemy. This was a fairly respectable mathematical standard, but I would remind the reader that there was no such thing as plucking in a medieval university. The student had to keep an act or give a lecture on certain subjects, but whether he did it well or badly he got his degree, and it is probable that it was only the few students whose interests were mathematical who really mastered the subjects mentioned above. The 15th Century a few facts gleaned from the history of the fifteenth century tend to shew that the regulations about the study of the quadrivium were not seriously enforced. The lecture lists for the years 1437 and 1438 of the University of Leipzig, the statutes of which are almost identical with those of Prague as quoted above, are extant and shew that the only lectures given there on mathematics in those years were confined to astrology. The records of Bologna, Padua, and Pisa seem to imply that there also astrology was the only scientific subject taught in the 15th century, and even as late as 1598 the professor of mathematics at Pisa was required to lecture on the Quadripartitum, an astrological work purporting, probably falsely, to have been written by Ptolemy. The only mathematical subjects mentioned in the registers of the University of Oxford, as read there between the years 1449 and 1463, were Ptolemy's Astronomy, or some commentary on it, and the first two books of Euclid. Whether most students got as far as this is doubtful. It would seem from the edition of Euclid, published at Paris in 1536, that after 1452, candidates for the master's degree at that university had to take an oath that they had attended lectures on the first six books of Euclid's Elements. Beldomandi. The only writer of this time that I need mention here is Protosimo Beldomandi of Padua, born about 1380, who wrote An Algoristic Arithmetic, published in 1410, which contains a summation of a geometrical series and some geometrical works. For further details, see Boncampagne's Bulletino de Bibliographia, volumes 12 and 18. By the middle of the fifteenth century printing was invented, and the facilities it gave for disseminating knowledge were so great as to revolutionize the progress of the science. We have now arrived at a time when the results of Arab and Greek science were known in Europe, and this perhaps then is as good a date as can be fixed for the close of this period and the commencement of that of the Renaissance. The mathematical history of the Renaissance begins with the career of Regiomontanus, but before proceeding with the general history it will be convenient to collect together the chief facts connected with the development of arithmetic during the Middle Ages and the Renaissance. To this the next chapter is devoted. End of part 14